Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. My name's Nick Panunzio, and I'm joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? Going pretty well, Nick. How are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, sort of lines up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. Matt, I assume you have seen some movies this week. I have seen one movie this week, and it's a okay. movie called House. Oh, I don't think I know anything about that movie. You probably don't. I don't oh, think right. most people do. Uh, I watched three movies. Wow. Oh, I watched uh, Avengers Endgame again, because my wife had never seen it. And I watched the movie The Dead Don't Die, the new Jim Jarmusch yeah. movie. And I watched Dark Phoenix. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something tells me you experienced that one differently than I did. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So since I've seen more movies, I'll go ahead and start with one of mine. Be my guest. Well, uh, your guest. Be your own I'll, guest, Nick. All right. I'd like to introduce my special guest to the show, me. Nice. Thanks, me. So Avengers Endgame, we've talked about it plenty of times on this show, uh, but this is the first time that I've watched it for a second. It's the first time I watched it a second time. Interesting. <laughs> Directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. It's the sequel to Avengers Infinity War, which is the sequel to every other Marvel movie. This movie was a lot better the second time I watched it. Really? Yeah. I, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit when I watched it the first time. Yeah. But now that I've seen it a second time, I, I think I appreciate it a lot more. Some of the slow parts feel extra slow. Mm -hmm. There's a few scenes where you're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is the scene. Like, remember in Infinity War, the sequence where Thor gets his new sword from Peter Dinklage, his yes. axe from Peter Dinklage. Yeah. And why, when you saw it in theaters, you're like, this is fine. But when you watch it at home, you're like, this is when I go to the bathroom. I remember thinking that the first time, but I understand your point. There are a few moments like that in this movie, and it's 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 quite fine. I think once I've seen it and I know that I like it, I was able to take some of the pressure off of myself to be able to sit back and enjoy it. Uh -huh. And my wife had not seen it, so I just kept looking at her to, to catch her reactions to stuff. So, spoiler alert for this movie. If you haven't seen it, skip ahead a few minutes. But um, my wife's a big fan of Thor, and when they introduce Thor in this movie... He's fat Thor. Oh, she must you know, have been so disappointed. Oh, she was so disappointed. I started laughing so hard. I was like, I know how excited you were to see Thor. And she's like, oh, he's so fat. Is he going to be like that the whole movie? And I'm like, oh, maybe. And then uh, the sequence later in the movie when uh, Captain America picks up Thor's hammer. I'm just laughing right now about all the listeners getting to find out about Nick's like body shaming wife, Jill. <laughs> All you fat listeners, Jill hates you. That's not true. It's it's not. It's not. She's a very nice person. Like when when Captain America gets Thor's hammer, she reacted. She was like, "Oh!" And I'm like, "I know, right?" Yeah, right. That's that the best part. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Isn't that cool?" And in the theater, people literally cheered at that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "It was pretty cool." You know, so it was it was fun to watch that with with someone who hadn't seen it. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, but that's that's really all I have to add about Avengers Endgame. It's it's quite good. The second half of the movie flies by. Like the first half is pretty slow, uh -huh. but the second half really really takes off, and uh, I enjoy the hell out of it. So that's all I got about Avengers Endgame. Cool. Uh, and I guess I'll go. I'll did, just dive. Did, did the kids watch it too? No. Okay. Because my son still hasn't seen all of Civil War, and I don't think he watched Infinity War. I don't remember if we watched that together. But he still hasn't seen Captain Marvel, or I don't think he saw Black Panther yet either. Oh, okay. But it's not like you need to see them to enjoy them, to enjoy it. So. No, I'm sure as a kid, too, I'm sure wouldn't even face yeah. it. But I'm I'm hesitant to show him Endgame, uh, Endgame and Civil War because at the end of Civil War, Captain America almost beheads his hero Iron Man. Right. <laughs> My son loves Iron Man, although he's on a real big Spider-Man kick lately. 
Well, then he might have a hard time with Infinity War too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I don't want him to start crying right away. Well, and, and you know, to 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 give a little more fairness to Jill, I was disappointed to see Thor not in, in great shape too, and you know, I'm I'm barely gay, so. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, they had a Marvel Comics uh, exhibition yeah, where they had like a bunch of old comics and a bunch of the costumes from the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And we went and they had some like three three different Iron Man suits that were all lit up and like, like as if Iron Man was inside them. They had a Captain America costume from the Winter Soldier. They had a Winter Soldier costume. They had a Thor costume. Who's the bad guy from the third Thor movie? Hella. Yeah. They had her costume, like, and, the, and a Spider-Man costume. Uh-huh. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. The Thor costume, like when you stand in front of it, not that big. Like it's kind of small. Where you, where you're like, oh, oh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth isn't six foot five after all. Right. Exactly. Like I was standing in front of it, like trying to put myself in the costume. Uh huh. And I'm like, I might be. I might have broader shoulders than Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Is that possible? And then the same thing with the Captain America suit, where it just it doesn't look as muscly. I'm sure it looks a lot better with Chris Evans inside it, but but I was like a little disappointed, like at how it looks on a dummy. Well, maybe you need to maybe you need to stand close enough. That it's taking up ninety percent of your visual frame, <laughs> like, yeah. as is the case with the camera. But speaking of yeah. getting into the suits, now that there is Fat Thor, maybe I can do something this Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, listeners. I'm kind of a big guy. <laughs> now you know. So yeah, Fat uh-huh. Thor. <laughs> way, way to way to broaden out the the costume market. <laughs> Literally. Uh. Uh, I get it. Yeah, so that's all I got about the Avengers. If that Marvel ex- exhibit comes to a city near you, I highly recommend checking it out. It, it's, uh, like it was it was pretty good. I'll tell you what, though, my son was a little disappointed because I think he thought Iron Man and Spider Man were literally going to be there. Oh man, he saw the Iron Man suits, but he was just kind of he seemed kind of disappointed the whole time. And meanwhile, I'm on the I'm in seven different heavens. Yeah, uh, they had like a lot of old comic books there. Which was really neat. Yeah, when you're a kid, that whole imagination thing is pretty wild. Like, I remember being young and hoping that I would meet the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, on Uh some level, knowing that they weren't real things. Uh Like, knowing that in the movie they were people in costumes, but still sort of having some imaginary, like, I wonder what it would be like to meet them, as though they're real, too. Yeah. So yeah, I can see it, you know, going, "Oh, cool, we're going to go to a place where the all the Marvel people are." And then being like, "What's up with this? This is just, just their laundry a museum." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. I'll move on to my second movie that I sure. watched. The Dead Don't Die from 2019, directed by Jim Jarmusch. It stars Bill Murray, Adam Driver. It's got a huge cast. Yeah, Tom Waits. That. Chloe Sevigny, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover. What, um, what might I know Chloe Sevigny from? She was in The Dead Don't Die. Oh, okay. She was. <laughs> she was in. She was in that that movie, that awful movie about the kids in the redneck town. Uh, oh, what was it called? Stand by Me. No, no, that one's good. That's true. That is a very good movie. She was. She was in Boys Don't Cry. Apparently. Okay. Maybe she was the girlfriend. This girl works a lot. I'm like trying to scroll back in her, her IMDb. Gummo. She was in Gummo. Oh, yeah. Nope. Didn't see that one. You told me about it, and I went, I am never watching that. Yeah, it is terrible. So, all right. Well, I won't know who yeah. she is. That's all right. Yeah. So this movie was awful. Uh-huh. I hated this movie. I hated it. So here's the premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. How, how do I say this? Zombies. Uh, it's zombies, yeah. It's a zombie attack in a small town. And it's supposed to be Fun. reminiscent of like a George Romero Night of the Living Dead for like the first Night of the Living Dead movie, like real okay. s- like small, low lower stakes or whatever. Uh-huh. And there's some sort of uh 
like a supernatural thing happening around the you don't world. Have a sense of being connected to the rest of the world. Not really. Like, like, like I mean, there are you're only seeing a real small window of it. You only see this town called Centerville. There are new, like the TVs and radios work when it's convenient, mm. and they talk about how like similar things are happening across the country and the world. This was bad. This was a real bad movie. And it's a shame because I was pretty looking forward to it. Now, I think this is the second Jim Jarmusch movie that I've seen. And it's like two strikes for this guy now in Mm -hmm. my book. Because the last one I watched was that The Only Lovers Left Alive movie with Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Oh, right. I remember you saying that. They're vampires. And like while I'm talking about that, I feel like I forgot to mention when we discussed that movie that the whole plot is basically an allegory for heroin abuse. I don't remember if I, I said I that or not. I think you did. I think you did. I don't think you got in any detail, but I think you sort of had a nod to that. Uh-huh. This one's deep cut into the human psyche is that we're all just zombies. We're all we're all zombies just, you know, attached to different things and so like all cell phones. Cell phones. There's a real obvious scene with cell phones. They're, the zombies walk around and they, they only say the thing that they were really interested in. And this one zombie is just walking around going, Siri, Siri. Uh, it's, uh. it's not good. The only thing that I did really enjoy was Adam Driver is in it. He's quite good in this. He plays like a real deadpan guy. Uh-huh. And... Bill Murray's in it, and he's fine, except that they none of, nobody has anything to do, like at all. And but what I did like is the, when the zombies first show up. There's like two zombies that come out of the ground, and then they go to this this local diner, and they kill the people in the diner, and the cops all show up. They, they begin this running gag that's not funny, but by the end of the movie, it's kind of funny. Uh, I won't won't spoil it, but all three of the local cops show up and they go in and look at the the horribleness of the zombie attack, which isn't that horrible. That's that's the other one other thing about this movie is that there's hardly any gore for for a rated R zombie movie. Uh-huh. I feel like it's just rated R for language. There's there's some graphic stuff, but for like a zombie movie, I kind of expected like a lot of blood or or something fun. So there's the the first zombie attack, the cops show up and they shut down the diner and and Bill Murray asks Adam Driver, he's like, "Oh, jeez. What do you think what do you think did this?" And Adam Driver's like, "I'll tell you what. Zombies." And Bill Murray's like, "What?" He's like, "It was definitely zombies." And Bill Murray's like, "All right, I guess you're right. I don't have a better answer than that." And I was like, well, that's kind of refreshing for a movie to just, one, to know that zombies are a thing. Uh-huh. And that, well, I guess that's what's doing this. Well, and, and to have them call them zombies is kind of nice, too, right? Like, rather than, like, walkers, walkers or, or biters or, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of interesting or, or refreshing. But the rest of the movie is just a slog. Everyone is so wooden and their deliveries it's as if everyone had taken a lot of like lithium or something and everyone's just like well what should we do next i don't know i guess we should prepare for a zombie attack oh the zombies are coming huh i wonder if we're really the zombies you might be right but the zombies are still coming okay i guess we'll get swords to chop their heads off yes let us do that this sounds like all those pretentious movies in the 90s that thought they were real clever and like now people are realizing like they weren't that great. It's it sounds like someone's just doing that now. <laughs> like they, they're like, "Hey, I have some sort of basic insight into the world. Let me go ahead and throw that out there." And it sounds like it can't really land now. Yeah, it does not it does not work. Movie doesn't work. And I read the trivia on it mm-hmm. and on the on the IMDb and apparently like they made this movie just so like in like an Adam Sandler fashion where like Jim Jarmusch could just hang out with all his friends for a couple months while they made this movie that no one cared about. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, it's not a good movie. It's not very well shot. It's the special effects are pretty terrible. The way you kill zombies is pretty inconsistent. They say over and over again that you have to kill the head in order to kill the zombie. Uh-huh. 
Adam Driver, Bill Murray, and Chloe Sevigny are all at the police station where this dead body comes back to life. And they're, they're kind of freaked out about it. And it's kind of an interesting or kind of an entertaining scene. And then Adam Driver's like, well, I got to cut her head off, I guess. So he like baseball swings her head off and the head hits the ground and they're like, okay, well, that's one down. And the head comes back to life because the brain is still intact. Uh And so Bill Murray has to shoot it in the head. And they're like, we got to destroy the head. Got to destroy the head. Remember that. Uh You're like, and as a viewer, you're like, okay, I'll remember. And the rest of the movie, all they do is chop off zombie heads from the neck up, but never destroying the head. So there are a bunch of heads laying around that should be able to bite. Exactly. But but everyone else who chops off a zombie head, Uh the zombie's just dead. It's so inconsistent. Mm. You know, like in a movie like this, you need your ground rules in order to like maintain the illusion. It's a little more engaging. Yeah. And, and they just don't have any, it just seems like they just went with whatever they felt like doing that day. It's, it's really disappointing. The movie's so boring. And the theme song is this song called the dead don't die by Sturgill. Something. He's like, some guy named Sturgill, he's like an actual singer or whatever, but he has, he plays a, he's got a little part in the movie, but we play, he plays this like country song. I want to say five times. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird fourth wall breaking in this movie too, where Adam driver keeps saying this is going to end very badly. And by the end of the movie, Bill Murray's like, you keep saying that. How could you possibly know? And he's, and he goes, well, I read the script and Bill Murray's like, you read the script. He's like, yeah, Jim gave me the script. He gave you the whole script? Yeah, he gave me the whole script. Well, he only gave me our scenes. What a dick. And you're like, what the hell is going on? What What is this weird fourth wall break that we're experiencing right now? Mm-hmm. And then some other ridiculous thing happens that like involves, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but some other ridiculous thing happens. And Bill Murray says to Adam Driver, he's like, was that in the script? And Adam Driver's like, Nope, that wasn't in the script. And you're like, oh, okay, so maybe the movie is like they're changing the movie that they're making with these guys, and yeah. and what he thinks is going to happen isn't going to happen anymore. But nope, it all still happens. Mm. It's so Lazy. I hate it. I hated this movie. That that just sounds like that sounds like someone who's like I I understand what meta jokes are enough to throw the idea in there, but not to know how to actually make the joke. Or get yeah. the point of it. I mean, I don't yeah. mean to act like I've seen this movie, but just what you're describing, just it's it rings. Like when you said that thing about Adam Sandler, I'm like, yeah, I know that feel. I know that uh-huh. feel of like lazy shit, where they're like, yeah. oh, this is it's not exactly the same sort of humor, but the same kind of laziness. Those movies that are like scary movie and like yeah. epic movie and stuff like that, where it's like there's not actual effort here, and the jokes. Yeah, you might make a reference, but you're not making it in a way that's actually even going to land anywhere important. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, Kim Kardashian's a thing. Huh. Is that funny? I don't know. What's the next crappy scene? Yeah. That's, that's really that's really what this was. I, I had to- seen previews for it and didn't see anything where I was like, that actually looks good. It looks like, wow, those are people that should be in something better. Yeah. I remember seeing the previews for this movie and going, oh, that looks pretty interesting, like a quirky zombie movie. That might be fun, like a Zombieland, because I like the first Zombieland movie. Yeah. When I saw the trailers for that, I was like, this movie looks terrible. But I was wrong, which is why I have the, the limited hopes for Zombieland 2, which comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah. Where I'm kind of like, I hated the trailers from the first one, but I really like the movie. Maybe this one will be the same, but I doubt it. Anyway, so the dead don't die. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sorry for your disappointment, dude. Yeah. I I, got to say, of of all the stuff you you said about it, the most interesting idea, I guess, because George Romero already has done it because it's a good idea. It's just that sort of secluded, cut off, small world thing. Yeah. Like like if you were to say, hey, there's a zombie movie that's got that in it or that's focused that way, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, oh, and there's... Uh, I'm going to go back into it. Yeah, hey, go for it. You, you reminded me. Selena Gomez, who I guess is a singer or a Disney actress, or was till she aged out, 
she's in this movie briefly with these other two characters, one who's just random guy, and then this other guy with perfect hair who looks like James Franco and Johnny Depp's son. Is she playing herself? No, she's oh. just girl, and she has this really cool-looking old car. I don't remember what make or model it is, but I think Adam Driver refers to it at one point he's like that's a pretty cool oh no 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 there's this one guy who works at a gas station that's also a comic book store or whatever and he's like oh that's a really cool car and she's like thanks he's like it looks just like this car from that george romero zombie movie and she's like she's like yeah it's basically the same thing and he's like cool real cool and you're like oh my god how heavy-handed can you get with your easter eggs things like that yeah the fact that she has this car adds nothing to the story at all and if you were really into zombie movies like if you were a huge george romero fan you'd be like hey i think that's the same car from night of the living dead yeah you would need it pointed out to you right and if you need it pointed out to you you're not as big a fan as you think you are or when it's pointed out to you you're like oh neat like when they said that i was kind of like oh okay i don't care it's just right. car. this is just their right. way of this is just their way of getting around and then these characters are just they're just dead in like the next scene like there's no reason for like why did they hire selena gomez who i guess to pull in a young audience maybe but like they're just dead later and then there's a pretty entertaining scene that 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 happens but the other thing is that there's this whole other like a, a D plot storyline about these kids in a juvenile detention center and about how they they try to escape the zombie apocalypse and the movie just forgets about them like they're yeah. just gone and you're like what happened with those kids and like at one point they're running away and the one girl goes hey I know a place that's really safe and they run away and that's the last time you ever see them what the hell was was this movie in the theaters or did was it a straight to video thing? This was in theaters. In fact, okay. it was the widest release of a Jim Jarmusch movie. And according to the IMDb trivia, it was like it was released yeah. in over 600 theaters around the country. And I'm like, "Man, dude, you blew it. This is what you decided to go full on with." I mean, at least mm-hmm. the Only Lovers Left Alive had some like cool cinematography and like a sort of interesting story even though I didn't care for it. Yeah. Like the heroin allegory, but this one is just like, "Oh, we're all zombies, man. We're all zombies." And you're like, "Oh god, you suck." So, I think that's really it. Okay. Oh, oh, oh I'd have one more thing. Oh, one more thing. So, like, whenever they kill a zombie, like, they cut off its head, there, no blood comes out of the zombies, which kind of makes sense because they're dead. Yeah. But, but this black dust falls out of them, uh-huh. and you're like, oh, I wonder if that's how, like, the zombie plague spreads as people inhale this black dust. Like spores or something? Yeah, something like that. Because earlier in the movie, Tom Waits plays crazy John Voight. That may, it'll make sense when you uh-huh. see it. <laughs> yeah. Because when you first see him, you're like, is that John Voight? And it's Tom Waits. And he's like collecting all kinds of mushrooms. So you're like, oh, I wonder the black dust coming out of the zombies is, you know, like you said, spores. Nope. It's just what they did instead of blood because I guess it was cheaper. And the effects look terrible and they look cheap and it's a waste of time. Well, good thing you didn't spoil that one joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> no. Thank you for the warning. All right. Well, I uh, watched a movie called House that a lot of people don't know about, but I grew up on. Okay. This is a movie from 1985. And if you try to look it up on IMDb, you actually can't look up the movie, at least not on a phone, but you can get to it if you look up George Went, who <laughs> most people know as Norm from Cheers. He's not the main character. He's the main character's next-door neighbor. But anyway, this movie's from 1985. I grew up watching this movie. We didn't have cable till I don't know, I was in like middle school or something. So my sister and I watched Saturday or Sunday matinees on Fox, like these old 70s movies. And there were a few things that we had on tape. And one was Silver Bullet. One was Lost Boys. I think we had It at some point and House. House is something we watched a lot. And so there's a lot of nostalgia for this movie for me. The plot is as such. There's a guy who is a writer and he recently got divorced following the disappearance of his child. He inherits 
the house that his aunt owned, which he was staying at when the child went missing. So he's returning to this house that his kid disappeared at. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the more you're talking about this, I think I've seen this movie. I might have made you watch this at some point. Is or, this Yeah, can ahead. I interrupt you and like see if I'm if I'm right? Does this movie have tripped out flashbacks and stuff? Like he goes through to Vietnam? rooms and Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think I've seen this movie. I I I probably made you watch it. I I I can almost guarantee that at some point you, I realized you hadn't seen it. I would have been like, well, we have to watch that because it's, I mean, to me, it's like a horror version of you making me watch Rocky and Rambo and all that stuff. Uh, Robocop. Uh, uh, I was supposed to go see the new Rambo movie yesterday, but I couldn't move. Oh, yeah. I heard he takes on Mexicans in this one. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, you got to enjoy that racism. <laughs> Good old-fashioned Sylvester Stallone killing people who aren't white. Anyway, back to better times. So this guy, his his kid's missing. He returns to this house because his aunt died. And there's not much cohesion to the things that happen in this house. He's like, my aunt thought it was haunted. But there aren't really ghosts in the house. At some point, he sees her. But the rest of the stuff that goes on this house is just utterly random. I, I, I hadn't really realized throughout the many decades of watching this movie just how random this stuff is. I'm going to spoil a couple things here. Please. The most cohesive part is that this guy is a Vietnam vet. There's a particular guy that he was in the army with, played by Richard Mull, Bull from Night Court. Okay. And so some of the, he has flashbacks to Vietnam. And there are some interactions with not exactly ghost, but I don't know, zombie version of that character. That's the most cohesive part. There are also things that go on in this house, like tentacles reaching out of a mirror and a marlin on the wall that comes to life. And uh, at some point, his ex-wife visits, but then it turns out she's a giant piggy-faced monster. And then there are these, like, creatures. I mean, exactly the sort of stuff that freaks me out. People in costumes. You know how I feel about that stuff. These, like, things in the chimney that, like, try to snatch up this other kid. Because, by the way, also, a lady that lives on his street is like, here, watch my kid. Just random stuff. This movie's so random. I, I don't know... How I, I I mean I enjoyed watching it again, but I don't know how I enjoyed this mo- mo- movie as much as I have for all these mm-hmm. years because it's just so maybe it's because it's random I don't know, but it's just like hey we want weird stuff to happen in a house cool we can do that like that was the plan, but it doesn't feel like lazy the way you were talking about the movie you were just talking about it's just eighties you know it's it's very eighties including like. Moments where the music is just straight up a song. There there are two, maybe three songs that just, like, here's a montage with some 80s music going on. Yeah, so those things all happen. There's a moment in this movie where there's a skeleton with bat wings that steals the shotgun from the guy and starts shooting at him. It's, <laughs> it's just so strange. It's... Oh, it's it's so 80s. You know, I had one note in here that said very 80s and that it takes its time. And I don't actually know what I mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what it takes its time with. But it's all, you know, practical effects. And the Vietnam flashbacks are very much like a soundstage. But, you know, you were alive in the 80s. So I think that sort of thing's kind of enjoyable for us. I'm sure this is a movie that if you're if if you're under 30, don't watch this movie. Let me put it that way. Unless you're just a real horror hound. But this is a comedy horror movie. It's it's not like scary. Otherwise, though, if you're like just kind of used to contemporary movies or if you're a kid, I don't know that you could really enjoy this because the cheesy fun stuff that makes you laugh because it's so 80s, I, I think you had to be there for. I will say this, though. The acting's good. It's all very tongue in cheek. So it's it's not good in a sense of like Oscar worthy, but it's good in terms of like comedic timing and like the main guy who, who by the way, he's played by a guy named William Cat, who actually I know someone who met this guy and said that he's just like super, super nice. Like they met him at like a horror convention. Apparently he's just 
really, really cool. He's got really good like facial gestures and stuff. George Went is really funny in this movie. His reactions to things and his comedic timing are are dead on point. And all the kind of corny practical effects are fun. So if you are a child of the 80s, I would say check this movie out. Again, it's called House. And I think we watched it on Amazon. So yeah, I think it's streaming on Amazon. All right. Maybe it was Netflix. I think I'm pretty sure it was Amazon though. Check it out. Okay. House. House. Yeah. I I'm almost positive I've seen this movie. Yeah, it d- sounds just everything you said sounds so familiar. Uh it's you know, it, it's probably not too hard for me to picture watching any movie with you just cuz we did that so much it's easy to imagine. But I've got a pretty vivid imagery <laughs> or image in my mind now that you've said that of us watching it at my mom's house. So, I'll bet you have. They've made 4 of these movies? Oh yeah, I've never seen any of the sequels. Not a single one. So House House 4 has a rating of 3.8 out of 100? Out of 10. Oh, okay. According to the IMDb. I wouldn't expect the sequels to be great. <laughs> oh yeah, it's on Prime Video, Amazon. Looks like this guy William Cat is in all of them. Really? Yeah. That's it. All right. Great. Well, then that brings me to the third movie I watched this week, mm-hmm. X-Men Dark Phoenix <laughs> from forgot. 2000, from 2019, directed by Simon Kinberg, stars James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, and the worst actress in the world, Sophie Turner. Aww. I hated this movie. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it so much. I it was worse than the dead don't die. What? It is so dumb. I hated this. Like to the point where I had to keep pausing it to complain about it to my wife. <laughs> and she was like, "I don't think it's that bad." And I'm like, "You're wrong. No, it's I'm really bad. <laughs> it's really really bad." Oh man, where do I even begin? So we've both seen this movie, so we're going to yeah. spoil it. If you haven't seen it, don't bother. It's I disagree. It's so stupid. Just to be clear, I'm not saying it's great, but it's... (laughs) I think it's kind of popcorn fun. Nope. I know you disagree. (laughs) The movie starts. It's 1970-whatever, and six-year-old Jean Grey is in the back of her parents' car, and she doesn't want to listen to the song her mom and dad are listening to. So she kills them both on accident. (laughs) Slightly oversimplified. (laughs) This is the first problem that I have with the movie, is that your mutant powers... I'm going to geek out so hard on this. Your mutant powers don't start coming out until you're an adolescent. And this girl is like six or seven years old. Oh, yeah, but she's super powered, Nick. But she's not. Jean Grey's not super powered. She's just a telekinetic slash slightly telepathic. Like, that's her powers. And then, like... Her parents are dead, and James McAvoy comes to p- make her live at his school because he's got long hair and a wheelchair. And so, it, then all of a sudden, it's 20 years later, and it's 1993 for some reason. I like how you said that as though that's his motive. <laughs> he shows up because he's got long hair. <laughs> I just want hair. So, it's like 20 years later, and there's some NASA mission going to space. For some reason. Well, that's where they go, Nick. That's true. You are right about that. Something goes wrong, and there's a giant solar flare coming. And the President of the United States has an X phone on his desk, just like Commissioner Gordon has a red phone on his desk to connect him to the Batman whenever there's a problem in Gotham City. And the President picks up the X phone and says... I need your X-Men, Professor Xavier, because at this point, it's the beginning of Spider-Man 3, where everyone loves the X-Men. They're a pop culture phenomenon, everyone loves them, and everyone loves mutants. All the hate is gone because because 10 years ago, Magneto destroyed the Middle East (laughs) in Apocalypse, which is stupid. I think I hated this movie more than X-Men Apocalypse, but I'm not sure. You were definitely primed to hate it. 
I yeah. mean, you hated the, you did hate this movie before you even saw it. It's true. I did. Yeah. I decided I wasn't going to like this movie a long time ago. So the president calls Xavier on his ex phone. The- <laughs> just, just to be fair, every point you've made so far is, is completely fair. <laughs> you're, you're totally right. And Professor X says, yes, Mr. President, I'll send the X-Men to save your astronauts. Professor X goes up to the Beast, who just decides either he's got Beast hair or not whenever he feels like it. The Beast says, I don't know if our ship can go to space. And Professor X is like, I'm sure it can. And the Beast goes, okay, I guess we'll go to space then. All the X-Men suit up to go into space. And before they do, Mystique is like the team leader. And she goes, all right, here's the plan. We're going to go into space and save these astronauts. We're bringing all of you for some reason. All the X-Men are going. There's Cyclops, Storm, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is ridiculous in this movie. Nightcrawler is like seven feet tall and can't close his mouth. His mouth is just open all the time, just breathing, because whatever like prosthetic teeth he has in his mouth, he can't the actor can't close his mouth. And he towers over everybody. And he just walks around like like a basketball player and around like regular or average sized people. Cyclops, Jean Grey, Storm, and Beast and Mystique. They all go into space for some reason to save these astronauts. And really all they need, oh, and Quicksilver is there too. And all they need is Quicksilver, Nightcrawler, and the Beast to fly this airplane. But they take everybody and they go up there. They save most of the astronauts and then they get back to the X-Men ship and they say, what about our commander? Oh, he's, he was like outside the space station. We missed him. And Scott, Scott Summers is like, all right, well, that's a shame. We got to go. And Professor X from the Earth goes, no, Scott, we don't leave anyone behind. And the space shuttle is falling apart. Mystique looks at Jean Grey and she goes, Jean, you could hold that ship together, right? And Jean's like, yeah, sure. I could do that. This is after the scene. We have this touching moment where we see adult Jean Grey for the first time. And she says to Mystique before their space mission, hey, is this dangerous? And Mystique is like, hey, if it was dangerous, we wouldn't be going. And so Jean Grey dies and <laughs> because she can't hold the ship together. They land the ship, but Jean Grey is st- still alive. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. It's, it's like a solar flare. Some solar flare, like in the Fantastic Four movie, hits Jean Grey and like enters her body. And she doesn't die. And then Nightcrawler uses his teleporting power to bring her back to the ship. Oh, man. So Nightcrawler, he teleports, right? That's his superpower for the most part. They get close to this spaceship and they go, Nightcrawler, can you teleport you and Quicksilver over there so you can get all the astronauts off? And he goes, no, I can't. It's spinning too fast. I don't think I can get into it. And you're like, Mm -hmm. that's understandable. You can't just teleport and hope that you end up where you're going to be. You could end up inside a wall. And they go, okay, Cyclops, see if you can destroy part of that ship to slow it down. And Cyclops is like, okay. And he goes down to like a lower level of the ship where they have this special gun designed for his face to sit in so he can shoot his optic blasts. Oh, right. And he does it. I I call that the the face cannon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the ship stops moving. And they're like, all right, great job, Cyclops. Good thing we brought you along. All right, Nightcrawler. Now that you're not in any real danger, hop on over there. And then they they save some of these astronauts. Now, later in the movie, Nightcrawler is just able to teleport all over the country wherever he wants. Like, he's just he's just like zip zapping and be bopping wherever he wants. (laughs) At one point, Professor X is like, I'm going to tell you where to go in your mind. But that doesn't mean Professor X knows what's going on on the ground there. He knows Jean Grey is outside of this building. Take us to the park nearby. They could appear next inside a tree. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, Jean Grey gets, inf- I don't want to say, I guess infested by this solar flare, which, which isn't really a solar flare. It's more of a, like a cosmic entity. And she survives and they take her back to earth and Jean's like, you know, I feel pretty great. I feel better than ever. And Scott's like, awesome. Um, want to go to a party? So they go to some party in the woods 
where there's portals and stuff, and Dazzler is there for some reason, which doesn't make any sense, other than the fact that she was in the comic book series. And then this is where I think the movie makes its real fatal flaw, is at least for me, is because at no point in this movie do they establish what the Phoenix wants. So Jean Grey exists and the phoenix exists i thought you were gonna say this is where it makes its fatal flaw because jessica chastain shows up oh she's just terrible in this movie the phoenix and jean gray are each sharing a body yeah like that's that's the idea it's kind of like a dr jekyll and mr hyde kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and in the comic books what they establish over many issues is that the phoenix is feeding off of jean gray's emotions Mm-hmm. whether they're positive or negative and it's amplifying them for gene and what they don't do in this movie is show the phoenix feeding off of anything she just goes from being like i'm totally fine to to just start screaming i can't control it i can't control it when i lose control i can't control it and i'm like what are you talking about you haven't lost control yet what are you what are you even referring to they don't have any moment in this movie where she like embraces the power that she has, where she's like, look what I can do now or look how powerful I am or Scott, let's really, let's go, let's go bang because I really want to do that. Like she, like they yeah, don't, you don't have, see like, the sort of seductiveness of the power and the, right. The, the inner the, struggle isn't really drawn out. Well, they show the inner struggle a lot where she's like, I can't control it, but they, they never show like the positive emotional sides. Uh-huh. And and what they establish in the in the in the books is that the phoenix likes her emotions, but the the negative emotions are better for it. Like it enjoys those more. Uh-huh. So the phoenix gets real jealous of the dazzler because the dazzler in the book hits on Cyclops, and the phoenix is like, uh, uh-uh, I don't want any of that. And then she like embraces like the dark side, and then she gets like pulled into like this whole like evil thing. Like they don't have to do the whole Hellfire story because they already did that basically. But but you could have done something where you just established that what does this Phoenix want? Mm-hmm. Like what does she want other than Jean Grey doesn't want the power that she loves so much because she can't control it? Oh God, I I hated this. It's so it's so dumb and magneto shows up for no reason other than the fact that he's contractually obliged to be in it <laughs> and Jean gray shows up on his island which i guess is supposed to be genosha although they never say it i thought maybe it was i read that on the internet trivia and uh, i thought it was supposed to be like asteroid m but on the ground which is a comic book reference she goes to meet up with magneto and magneto's like yeah i got nothing for you kid get off my island and she's like okay and he's like by the way whose blood are you covered in oh because she kills mystique on accident slash purpose and uh so jennifer lawrence doesn't have to be in these movies anymore so she's like oh yeah this is uh i guess your friend girlfriend i don't know what was your relationship with this woman i don't even remember the other thing is it's 1992 and magneto has been alive since the 30s and he still looks like f- <laughs> he, he still looks like forty year old Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. And I saw a meme when this movie first came out, and the difference between Magneto in nineteen ninety two and uh, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen in nineteen ninety nine is Magneto had a tough seven years to tr- go from Michael Fassbender to Ian McKellen. Stupid inconsistencies like that. Like, why did they have to span these movies out over, like, each movie takes place in a new decade? Right. Uh, yeah, I- I'll agree with that completely. They did. Uh, they really didn't need to do that. Yeah. And the fact that the movie takes place in the 90s doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't nope. come up at all. Nope. It has Not no relevant. significance in the story at all. In fact, all the music that they listen to in the movie is oldies. They listen to 70s music all the time. The soundtrack for Captain Marvel, which takes place basically the same year. Captain Marvel's like 95 or whatever. But like the Captain Marvel soundtrack is all songs from like the early 90s. Whereas this movie has has music, but it's all 70s music and and Yeah, there's nothing requiring it to be placed in time where it is at all. Yeah. It's true. And I kind of feel the same way about the x-men apocalypse movie where they do like a bunch of stuff because that movie takes place in the 80s but they do at least reference it 
in in apocalypse like they make a couple of jokes about trilogies and blah 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 and, and like they reference star wars is in the theaters and all this stuff and they did nothing then to make the people look like they aged at all either no no because they're all the same age it's been two years in real lifetime but like scott summers is supposed to and storm are supposed to be 10 years older you know like give me something here like why set it in the future if you're not going to use the time period uh i could go on and on about this movie forever <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, one thing occurred to me. You, you made some sort of reference to Apocalypse that made something kind of click for me. Is that one of the reasons, or at least like maybe one of the reasons that I could enjoy this more, is that I haven't seen Apocalypse. So there, for me, there's a whole movie, and within the movies, there, there's a whole two decades where stuff happened. But I can fill uh-huh. in those gaps myself. So when like Mystique is running the show and whatnot, I can be like, "Oh yeah, that must have happened during Apocalypse." <laughs> when there's a certain conflict between characters or Professor X is acting more douchey, I'm like, "Oh, he must have been halfway more douchey in Apocalypse." I can just <laughs> fill that in and kind of gloss over it in my mind. So there probably are things that seem kind of joltingly different or just skipping ahead that that might hit you more if you followed these movies consistently but i just i you know there's something about (laughs) first of all i don't like these movies that much anyway (laughs) second of all uh, i mean i'm not saying that that all x-men movies are bad but i just even even days of future past and first class which i enjoyed i didn't feel connected with them at all like it's just like oh okay that that happened to be a well-written movie but i have no fondness for the characters and so there's that. So I just I don't feel motivated really to see them. I, even this one, I, I went to the theater sort of on a whim, I think. But Oscar Isaac's makeup, like just the way Apocalypse himself looks. I always thought he kind of looks stupid in the show anyway. But the way he looks, I'm like, this is this is goofy looking. Yeah. Like this guy with just shitty face makeup. This just looks bad. And and anytime I just picture his face, I'm like, nope, never gonna see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you should watch it. Just can't. It's ten uh, minutes of Magneto just floating in the air with his arms up as metal flies around him. <sighs> yeah. Well, and I, I was thinking the other day about like how Wolverine wasn't in this movie. And just if you think about Wolverine, if you think about Hugh Jackman, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a character that you actually feel. Like it just like I'm like oh he's a guy you can sort of know and these ones all feel like cardboard stand-ins, yeah and they're all everyone is always crying like this is a a joyless movie uh, like there's no mm, yeah. there's no fun in this movie every scene like either starts or ends with someone crying about Jean Grey well you know what Logan was depressing as hell but it was still a good movie yeah yeah I mean. It, it can be done well. You, yeah, know? you can make you can make a serious film where, and you don't have to you don't have to handhold me and say, "Oh, the characters are sad. I should be sad too." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like it's so the movie's so heavy handed and so poorly made. It's like there's this one sequence when they're trying to kill Jean Grey, or Magneto's trying to kill Jean Grey, and the other X Men are trying to stop him from killing Jean Grey, and Magneto goes. I know what I'll do. I'll pull this subway car out of the ground and use it to block the door I'm going into. And it's this long sequence of him pulling this subway car out of the ground and he drags it into the doorway. And I'm like, this is stupid. You could just go through the subway car to get into the house, which is what the cops do later on. And then Jean Grey and Professor X have this moment together during the, the big fight. And and Professor X reaches Jean Grey, gets past the Phoenix and reaches Jean Grey. And they have like a moment. And then Cyclops runs up the steps and he's like, Professor, what's up? Is she dead? And he's like, no, Scott, she's just unconscious. And he's looking at Scott who is in front of the stairs and these cops or military personnel are running in up the stairs and professor X goes, Scott, look out. And they get ambushed by these, by these guys with stun taser guns or whatever. And I'm like, you're telling me 
the psychic who was looking at the steps as this guy ran up the steps didn't notice him coming up the stairs and shoot both of you in the face. I was blown away that this could happen. The other thing is Cyclops can't hit anything with his eye beams. He misses all the time against things that aren't moving. And then later in the movie, he's a crack shot. He's able to just pick these guys off the big train, the, the, the stupid train sequence at the end of the movie. He's just like picking everybody off one blast at a time against these aliens, I guess, is what they are from another world. And the Jessica Jess Chastain people. <sighs> I hated this. I hated it. <laughs> did I you, hated it. Did you at least enjoy the moment where Nightcrawler poofed the girl in front of the train? No. Oh, I thought that was fun. You know, um, you know why I didn't like that? I'll tell you why I didn't like that. Because Nightcrawler is upset because the cop who said, my kid used to have your action figure. And then that cop dies for some reason. It's not really clear why he's dead, but the cop dies and Nightcrawler goes into a berserker rage. And then he murdered, murders that woman with a train. And you're like, okay, Nightcrawler, you really got attached to that police officer for a second there. Like the motivation, his motivations for murder is someone had my action figure that was related to you. Ah, Boy, you really want crawler <laughs> kill. <laughs> you really wanted things to have reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, Nightcrawler's going so like psychopath on everyone. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, that's about it. Yeah, um, I mean, and and the other thing, Nightcrawler going crazy on people was done way better in X Men Two. When at the beginning of that movie, where he like tries to assassinate the president. Yeah, no, that was a cool moment i'm i'm not certainly not going to knock stuff that was done well <laughs> but uh it's it seems like you went into this movie with low expectations and s somehow high hopes <laughs> i went in with low expectation and no hope uh -huh. <laughs> i guess my hope was it might be fun that's about it i got that uh, you 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 wanted good reasons and things. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this for you? How's it compare to uh, X X three or X whatever that was called? Last Stand. Ah, uh, boy. You know what's the most ridiculous thing is that the X Men: The Last Stand in this movie were written by the same guy. It is ridiculous. I I will agree with you a hundred percent on that. Like, how can you do that? And how can you get the same story wrong twice? Well, that's the thing. I'm like, if it's the same person and they're going, I have a completely different way to approach this, then cool. There are things about the, the two movies that are fairly different, but not enough to justify having the same writer do the thing yeah. again. But what do you think? What, what, it's, it sounds like you have more anger towards this one. Um, I don't know. Like, If I had to rank all the bad X-Men movies, yeah. let's see. I guess the worst, the best of the bad X-Men movies, I think, oh, God, would have to be The Last Stand. Really? Ugh. That's the best of the bad ones, huh? Yeah. And then after that would probably be Apocalypse, then Phoenix, and then Wolverine. the X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Oh, that that feels gross to say that. Wolverine's still, yeah. The X Men Origins Wolverine's definitely still the worst. Yeah, I don't. I guess it doesn't change what your hierarchy looks like, but I feel like with this, maybe it's because I don't give a crap about any of these people. That might be it. Because X Three, I remember being really disappointed, and that's because I liked those characters and those actors and stuff, and. It totally let me down. So it's like being disappointed by someone you love. Yeah. This movie for me was like, oh, I know you're trash. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to let me down because I'm expecting you to suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Matt. That yep. brings us to the moment of the show where we add to our movie rankings list. Correct. We've been compiling this list since December of 2018, and every time a movie goes on it, it's either better or worse than an item already on the list. So, Matt, where are you going to put whatever you saw? <laughs> House. I, 
<laughs> I need to find it. Oh, that's right. Just above Dark Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> and right under Snowpiercer. All right, so that's going into the new 22 slot. Yeah. And how many stars would you give this movie? I'm going to give House. Oh, man, there's definitely some. If I try to weed out the nostalgia a little bit, I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Two and a half stars. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's a recommend. Oi. Um, slash recommend slash like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only thing you saw this week. Correct. Now on to my lists. <laughs> now, see, this is interesting because it's the first time that I've seen a movie twice. I don't get to re-rank it, right? It's your like, list, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to leave Endgame where it is. I'm still pretty comfortable maybe, where, it's, where it's Maybe at, that's but. your only opportunity to move it, is if you watch it again. Now you can actually place it somewhere else. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave it where it's at. I think I still give it four and a half stars and a total recommend. Well, it was 17 weeks ago that that movie came out. Hmm. It doesn't seem that long ago. It's actually probably more because we missed a few episodes over the summer. Oh, yeah, uh, true. And then what else did I see? Oh, yeah, the... The Dead Don't Die. Let's scroll down to the bottom here. <laughs> I'm going to put The Dead Don't Die. Jeez, is it better than Broken Arrow? Did I like it more than Aquaman? It sounds like you didn't. I really put Solo really far down on the list. That's I'm going to put this... Are you going to have to see Solo again to realize again how much it sucks? <laughs> I'm going to put this movie into the new number 77 slot. Between Solo, A Star Wars Story, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So it was better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but not as good as Solo? This list makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give this movie one star, and I do not recommend it. Now, the other movie I saw was X-Men Dark Phoenix. I'm going to put that. Was it better than Mrs. Claus? It was better than Mrs. Claus. It it was better. I'm going to put that into the new number 81 slot between Tank 432 and Mrs. Claus. (laughs) Wait, this one's 81 and the one you just placed is what? Uh, The Dead Don't Die is where? That's in 77. Ah, okay. So not too far away from one another. Nope, and I'm going to give this movie half a star. Actually, no. I'm not a monster. One star. But a definite, <laughs> but a definite no. It did have some pretty good special effects, although some of the special effects in it were really bad. It was a little hit and miss. Like, at one point, Dreadlocks, which is the name of the mutant that I called, who had, like, the crazy hair weapons. I don't know if that's really his name, but I just we both my wife and I both decided to call him Dreadlocks. Yeah, and I was like, that's kind of a cool name for a mutant. He's like fighting Storm for some reason, and she's she's having difficulty fighting him, and he's like got his dreadlocks wrapped around her throat, and there's like this weird drop shadow all over her face. Like we re- we rewound it and watched it again and we're like what is that what a terrible effect how could they let that make it all the way through sloppy sloppy filmmaking (laughs) all right matt anything to recommend this week uh yeah i wanted to recommend a video on youtube if you check out from the people that call themselves looper they made a video called horror movies that are basically perfect and it's a pretty good list it's a pretty good okay. list. There are one or two things that aren't on there that should be, and maybe one or two things that I'm like, eh, I don't love that as much as they do. But if it's a list of like maybe ten movies, I'd say like eight of them are dead on. So check that check that clip out. And then there's a band from like the '90s that I have just been listening to the last couple of days again after like a lot of time not listening to them called Sunny Day Real Estate. And if you haven't checked them out, check them out. They have four albums and maybe a live one forget about the live one but the the did four they, albums are really good did they have a new album come out or is it you just nope. listening to old stuff I, I just ended up talking about them a couple times and was like yeah let me play some and i'm like oh yeah this is so good they have like a their sound matures as they go but instead of like selling out and just getting boring it just gets more nuanced and and it's it's just they're good all the way through and they have an excellent excellent drummer 
Oh, okay. Well, that was Midwest Matt Recommends for week 130 of the big show. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the letterbox. Check out the website, but it hasn't been updated because I can't fix it. If you know how to fix internet, talk to me. I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Thanks for listening. <laughs>